lot of fake news back there, these fakers. Wow, listen to that crowd. And you know that if a horrible thing happened and we weren't lucky enough to have Henry win, you know they won't talk about that. They will say, Donald Trump suffered a major, major defeat in the great state of South Carolina. It was a humiliating defeat for Donald Trump. So please get your asses out tomorrow and vote. You gotta get out there and vote. Get your ass. If you're not registered to vote, what should I do? Register and vote. Get your asses out there and vote. <laughs> so do y'all know who Steve Schmidt is? He's always on MSNBC now. I don't I don't get some of the cable news stuff that goes on. You got these lifelong conservatives or Republicans that end up on like MSNBC. And then beat up on the Republicans all day long for a paycheck, I guess, or or something. I don't I don't know what's going on. But anyway. everybody loves a convert. So Steve Schmidt, he was the campaign manager for uh, John McCain when he ran for president, um, against Barack Obama in two thousand eight. Played by Woody Harrelson in the movie Game Change. Ah, um, but, memorable. So he unregistered as a Republican over the weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, because of Donald Trump, and he said this morning uh, that. Um, by a fluke, voters elected an imbecilic con man. That's what he, as a guy who ran a presidential campaign for a Republican, says about the current president. Mm. Imbecilic con man. So that's yeah, uh, one place we are. Less than charitable. On all that. And how about George Will saying uh, vote for Democrats? No, I, I didn't actually read the column. Is that, <laughs> that that's what he says? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He says, um... The Congressional Republican caucuses must be substantially reduced, so substantially that their remnants, reduced to minorities, will be stripped of the Constitution's Article I powers that have, they have been too invertebrate to use against the current wielder of Article II powers, the POTUS. They will then have the leisure time to wonder why they worked so hard to achieve membership in a legislature whose unexercised muscles have atrophied because of people like them. Gutless, spineless status of the uh, the Republicans in Congress. He says, "Get rid of them, because, vote them out, then bring in new people." Because they're later. not standing up to Trump. Uh yeah, to uh, a large extent. Over what issues does George Will, a lifetime conservative and writer of Republican needs, <clears throat> I think it's adorable. You still think any of this is about issues? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan and many other Republicans have become the president's poodles. Um, buh, 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 buh. Then he quotes the Constitution, the Federalist. Um, congressional Republicans, congressional Democrats are equally supine toward Democratic presidents, have no higher ambition than to placate this president. By leaving dormant the powers inherent in their institution, they vitiate the Constitution's vital principle, the separation of powers. Mm. Um, but, uh, oh, they talk about... Um, uh, Bob Corker offered up a measure by which Congress could retrieve a small portion of the policymaking power. It has um, Congress Corker's measure would have required Congress to vote to approve any trade restriction imposed in the name of "quote unquote" national security. Like I found the idea that we have to put tariffs on Canadian steel for reasons of national security kind of silly. They're like our closest ally ever. Um, and Corker wanted a law that says Congress has to approve that. 
All Senate Republicans worthy of the conservative label that all Senate Republicans flaunt would privately admit that this is conducive to sound governance and true to the Constitution structure. But the Senate would not vote on it, would not allow it to become just the Second Amendment voted this year because it would have peeved the easily peeved president. That's a pretty good example. Yeah. So we're going to talk about something important coming up. So I've got something not important for you. This has become a thing on social media. Lots of things become a thing for an hour or a day on social media. But They're hardly a thing at all, Jack. For uh, for today, it is some sort of hashtag or whatever. Guys sharing their laziest, most depressing bachelor meals. Go. Oh! Um, I don't know if de- <laughs> I don't know that depressing has to be in in there. I've eaten a lot of lazy bachelor meals, and I wasn't depressed about them at all. They were delicious. Um. This guy who wrote this column said, and here I am feeling guilty for eating sliced ham out of the bag. I've done that. What's wrong with it? It's a fine snack. Why is that? It's a dep- fine, lean protein Why snack. Why is that depressing? I'm doing that right now. Yeah. I um, I never could quite understand, especially when you're by yourself, w- would me sitting at the table instead of on the couch in front of the TV with a plate and knife and fork and a napkin. Instead a three-course of, meal that you had prepared for yourself, yes. And, instead of just eating out of the box or whatever. And what way would that be better? More civilized. Why? Why? Why is it a more civilized? civilized man wouldn't ask that question. Apparently You're a not. beast, sir. Here's some of the examples. Savage. One man recounts. I'm surprised he's wearing pants. He would what? eat at a trough if it were there. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> One man recounts how he would fill his mouth with cereal and then take a big gulp of milk because he was too lazy to wash a bowl. <laughs> I've actually done that. <laughs> not proud to admit it, but I have done that. You know what I mean? That's just a shot in the chaser, really. Uh, that's pretty funny. I, and funny. I had already gone past the, well, I'm just going to use paper plates for my cereal, but I was out of paper plates, and I still didn't want to do a dish that I might have to wash after, yeah. so then I went with this. Fill your mouth full of cereal, then drink some milk. Wow, using your mouth as a bowl. <laughs> One guy fact. who would drink six oatmeal stouts instead of eating an actual meal, that's just alcoholism. That's not well, a lazy right, yeah, bachelor meal. No, so, it says oatmeal on it. <laughs> I got to get back to the mouth as a bowl idea. <laughs> Do you ever put dry, not dry, but naked pasta in your mouth and pour sauce in your mouth? <laughs> no, but I've I've done chocolate milk that way. I've done milk and then squeeze the chocolate and then you just kind of <laughs> shake your head around. Wow. <laughs> when you were eight, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Sure, let's say that. <laughs> Uh, some guy who would make Bloody Marys with vodka and SpaghettiOs. Um, this is just something that's common. I think we've all experienced this, perhaps. Fries that were supposed to be baked, but I was too lazy to bake them. It takes too long, so I microwave them, and then somehow there's both soggy and dry at the same time, while being cold in the middle. I think oh. we all know that flavor. Oh, yeah. Soggy, dry, and cold in the middle. That is right. just, that's a disgusting flavor. Except where it's burning hot. That usually happens to me when I try to reheat something like French fries. They just don't come out the way you that's want. why god made toaster ovens this guy who would place the can of baked beans directly on the burner <laughs> then use an oven mitt to hold them up and pour them in his mouth <laughs> that guy's my hero wow that's like you're you're a bum living in a in the bowery you're warming your hands over a, a burning trash can wow you got the gloves with no fingers he wanted spaghetti, so he'd just take ramen noodles, ketchup, and chopped up hot dogs and have co- spaghetti with meat sauce. Uh, this guy who lives alone and always screams, dinner's ready, to his imaginary family when his delivery arrived. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, that is sad. <clears throat> uh, They'll be right out, but thanks. Yeah. 
One of my favorite uh, easy, cheap meals was um, stovetop stuffing, which is effortless to make, instant mashed potatoes, which is effortless to, to make, and then a can of uh, corn, and then just mix it together in a bowl. And it's, uh, no it's pretty, pretty good eating. No. Um, but it's uh, it'll stick to your ribs. It'll really fill you up, and it costs like $1.80 wow. for, a, for a pound of it. Been no, a no, carb from, load there. You from, this. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say pounds of it. Wow, <laughs> no kidding. Were you running a marathon? You couldn't get some sliced ham out of a bag and throw it in there. I like setting a can of beans on the stove and you pick it up with an upper mitt <laughs> and pour it in your mouth. That oh, is pretty man. dang funny. That's more interesting than unboxing. Unboxing <laughs> <laughs> videos. I've existed weeks at a time in my uh, earlier days on ramen noodles with just cracking an egg when you cook it in there to try to give it some sort of nutritional value. That, that sounds like good. extra points. Yeah. I need that right now. Yeah, I love the ramen. What's wrong Don't with eating the carbs? Stay for the sodium. What's wrong with eating <laughs> ham right out of the package? Why would taking it out of the package and putting it on a plate be somehow a step? Up. Then you have to wash the plate, and that's to waste the water during the climate change. <laughs> I like that voice, whatever that is. What do you mean? So the Chinese are up at something crazy here. Oh, yeah. They, they're employing mob-like tactics to snatch up infrastructure from third world countries. This is different than they're building islands in the sea. I'm <laughs> telling you, China is on the move, and we'll bring you a report next. Coming up, on the, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. gotten some good texts about various meals people have eaten out of desperation or poverty or laziness. Laziness is usually it. But right. uh, maybe we'll get to some of those coming up. We're joined now by Maria Abi Habib, the South Asian correspondent for the New York Times, with the extraordinary story of how China got Sri Lanka to cough up a port, a large, very expensive port. Uh, and it's instructive. It, it really shows one of China's strategies in the third world right now. Uh, Maria Abi Habib. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Uh, great. Thank you very much for talking to Maria from uh, Pakistan, by the way. Uh, so tell us, how exactly did China maneuver themselves into owning this port? So um, they ended up owning the port because the previous president of Sri Lanka, Mahinda Rajapaksa, uh, kept asking for loans for everything from a power plant to building roads to a cricket stadium and, of course, the port. Um, and he took out about, uh, you know, a billion dollars, a little over a billion dollars for the port. And in the end, um, he left the current government with uh, – with a debt that could just not be repaid. And um, it was it was a port that saw no activity, even though there were thousands of ships that passed it by every month. Um, and, and eventually the debts came due, and that on top of other debts, because under Mahinda Rajapaksa, actually in his 10-year term, that's, the debt uh, uh, load increased threefold. So the new government came in 2015, had all these debts that needed to be repaid, and they said, 
well, I guess one way we can we can get some more cash into our books is uh, by offloading the port. So eventually, the Chinese took it for about a billion dollars in a deal that was signed late last year. But even they wouldn't buy the port. They <laughs> said the port is useless. We want um, an industrial zone. So now there's 15,000 acres of industrial zone included in the, uh, around the port, um, and they'll be able to you know to do various you know things right. like cement and so as as a guy who's fairly familiar with this story would it be fair to characterize it as china seeking out a a corrupt or at least very unwise politician giving him all the cash he wanted uh, in the form of loans and then when the loans come due they swagger in a lot like tony soprano and say we own it now um yeah, I mean, I guess that, that we own it now. Plus, we would like a few other things. Um, that might be that that could be accurate. When it comes to the port in Hamantota, that's completely accurate. And also remember that they didn't really have a lot of resistance because this is a time in Sri Lanka's um, history where journalists were being locked up, um, opposition was being disappear it was disappearing or intimidated. Uh, um, the opposition, you know, that was demanding transparency on deals like Hamantota Port. And also, it should be noted that um, Mahinda Rajapaksa and his three brothers, all they controlled between them the economy ministry, the defense ministry. Mahinda Rajapaksa was president and the law minister and the finance minister at one point. Mm. Um, so between the three brothers, between those, those brothers, they, they controlled 80% of spending. So when you were negotiating with Sri Lanka, you were really negotiating with the Rajapaksa family. So you have this quote in your article from uh, founding father John Adams that the way to subjugate a country is either the sword or debt, and China has chosen the latter. And there are some concerned that China's not done with Sri Lanka, that their next step might be saying, hey, we're now we're going to use this, this port for uh, military use. Do we think that's where it's going? So we don't, we can't really, we can't really speculate on that at the moment. Um, the current government will tell you that in the the, the final agreement, which we saw, um, the the there's a, a very explicit clause that is brought up several times that says that this port will not be used for military use unless the Sri Lankan government allows a foreign military to come in and use it. Um, so, for instance, like a Japanese warship uh, was able to dock there in Hamantota just, I don't know, a few weeks or maybe a month or two ago. Um, and so the Chinese could use it, but, the, but, the, but only if given the permission. Um, but the real fear is that the debt will continue to accumulate and, and maybe another corrupt government comes in. Or the Rajapaksas, for instance, they are, they're, they're making a big run for, for next year's elections, and they actually have a pretty good shot of controlling the country again. Um, and the debt load will only increased last month, for instance. Uh, the Sri Lankan government added to their debt load by taking out a billion dollars from China Development Bank. If that money will go to just paying off debt this year. So they're taking debts to pay off debt. It's a pretty bad situation. Right, and clearly maneuvering themselves into a position, a position where they can't deny, quote-unquote, permission to the Chinese military to use the port. A really interesting story, Maria Abi Habib. There's a lot of detail to it. We'll have a link so you can read it. Um, Maria, we sure appreciate the time. We know it's, it's a little crazy joining up with us from Pakistan, but uh, well done. Great to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. From Pakistan to talk about China. Right. Well, Sri Lanka. Yeah. Ah, it's right next door. 
Uh, so, uh, listen, this is this is so interesting if you're into the foreign policy thing, the nuts and bolts of it, not the shouting at each other in the newspapers thing. So China does this, and their other trick is that they go into your corrupt African republics or South Asian republics, and and they will lavish money on these corrupt regimes. They'll make them crazy, crazy rich in return for mining rights and development rights, road building rights, and that sort of thing. And, you know, the U.S. is is your tutting old aunt. You know, we want you to reform your human rights, and we need guarantees that this money isn't going to be uh, flow into corrupt enterprises or there won't be uh, corrupt uses of it or it won't be handed out to your cronies, blah, blah, blah. And China's like, F it, forget it, here's 100 million bucks. Go enjoy yourself. And uh, and so they're making all these inroads into these third third world countries and uh, trying to expand their their power and their influence. That China is not concerned about giving money to governments that don't believe in gay marriage, for instance. Right. Or um, that are just going to spread the money around in bribes. They're like, I don't care. Go ahead. Boy, that's just give us your diamonds or cadmium or whatever the hell is so uh, go, involved. So they go around loaning money to people they know can't pay it back, and right. when they can't pay it back, they say, "Okay, we want the port, and we want, in this case, fifteen thousand acres of land around it for the next ninety-nine years." Right. There is some great stuff in the book I've mentioned many times, the Dictator's Handbook, about uh, how corrupt uh, regimes accumulate debt, and they use the you know the inflow of cash, the the fun part of accumulating debt, to hand out to their cronies, solidify their own power, and and. Uh, build their own gigantic uh, bank accounts that nobody knows right. about, and then you've got uh, then you get a China comes in says we'll help you out with your debt you know we'll lend you money to cover that blah 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 all that money goes to exactly the same places and some of the the wonderful sounding merciful uh, debt restructuring that the Western world tries to do for some of these regimes, believing that, okay, if we can get them out of the debt problem, then they'll reform their country, reform their economy. No, no, the the dictators do that same stuff with the money. They take that inflow of cash, that well-meaning Western cash, they, they enrich themselves, they enrich their crony, they solidify their rule, and they further decimate the population's uh, financial status because it doesn't matter. They're not answerable to their populations. So China's just is a bare-knuckled, bloody, you know, roll of quarters in each fist boxer, man. And they are, they are busting lips. The, Trump is right about that. So this guy will take a bite of bread, a bite from a salami stick, then a bite from a cheddar cheese block. There's one word for that. And call Efficient. It, and call it a salami and cheese sandwich. I could hang with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump's taking a victory lap after the Supreme Court win this morning. Harley Davidson driving, or drawing rather, presidential heat. And former White House spokesman Sean Spicer hosting a TV talk show. We'll be getting into those minutes from now. Anytime you're eating right off a cheddar cheese block, you got to wonder about where things stand. <laughs> wow. That hadn't occurred, so he takes a bite right off the block? Yeah, from the cheddar cheese block with oh. the plastics pulled down, I suppose. Wow. <laughs> Teeth marks Marshall. and everything. <laughs> you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Russell Crowe is going to play Roger Ailes of Fox fame in a Showtime series on the rise of Fox News, which could be interesting if fairly done. That's mm. a large if. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting enough story. I don't think you need to throw in a bunch of spin, but 
Who knows? It's a no-spin zone. Is that what you're calling for? <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, i got to tell you, Donald J. Trump taking a victory lap this morning, tweeting out all in caps, Supreme Court upholds Trump travel ban. Wow. Trump getting his first ever Supreme Court victory after 15 months of legal battles. The high court voting 5-4 today to uphold the president's travel ban. The ban limits travel and immigration from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, Yemen, North Korea, and Venezuela. The policy was being challenged by several states, but the court in their 5-4 decision went today and ruled for Trump. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court also says a California law that forces anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers to provide information about abortion probably violates the Constitution. Another 5-4 ruling, also casting doubts on similar laws in both Hawaii and Illinois. The California law took effect back in 2016. It's requiring centers that are licensed by the state to tell clients about the availability of contraception, abortion, and prenatal care at little or no cost. You know, I'd like to talk to somebody smart. I'd try to slog through the decisions and the dissents, but oh man, they're so littered with precedents and legalese and it's yeah. tough to comprehend even if like me you almost went to law school but uh, where does that where does that line lie that forced speech is a violation of the first amendment i mean because that's that's the point Correct. you can't force somebody who's there to promote adoption to say by the way you can get adopt you can get an abortion here's the number right but you can force you know employers to say uh, here are your rights as a worker. You know, it's posted on every lunchroom in the nation. You can force a McDonald's to say there's uh, 1,200 calories in this here burger. Um, I just I don't know where that line is on forced speech. President Trump continues to weigh in this morning on Harley-Davidson's decision to move some of its production overseas to avoid paying higher tariffs. After tweeting yesterday that he was surprised Harley-Davidson, of all companies, would be the first to wave the white flag, he called out the motorcycle maker again this morning. Trump tweeting, a Harley-Davidson should never be built in another country. Never. Their employees and customers are already very angry at them. If they move, watch, it'll be the beginning of the end. They surrendered, they quit, the aura will be gone, and they will be taxed like never before. Ah, boy, I don't, I don't like the way this is going. It, well, yes, it, the the only like argument in favor of it is he's got everybody scared, everybody is crazy, and then he's going to say, "All right, so we got to have reciprocal trade, and we'll call all this off, and and then a new era dawns of fair trade agreements." That's his idea. On the other hand, the idea of like hammering the European yeah. car makers. Who, who employ hundreds of thousands of Americans at, you know, plants, Toyota, BMW, whatever, all yep. across the country, and, like, put, sticking it to Harley? Even if it's for a while, that's tough to take. Do you hear what Ben Sass said? Love Ben Sass in Nebraska. Although, if you're a Trump fan, you're not going to like this much. He said, this will go over like a Vespa at Sturgis. <laughs> the problem is I that... I wrote a Vespa in high school was mocked for it. Yes, properly. Now they're cool. They weren't then... The problem isn't that Harley is unpatriotic, it's that tariffs are stupid. They're tax increases on Americans. They don't work, and apparently we're going to see more of this, he said. We'll see. It, you know, it's... Jack, you've pointed this out many times. The football coach who goes for it on fourth down with three seconds left when he could take the tie is a genius and a model for men to follow if it's successful. Right. And an idiot! Who 
should be fired if he fails or if the if they don't score the touchdown. So, if, well, stuff if like Trump's, this, it's a ballsy move if it works. It's you're idiotic when it doesn't. Right, exactly. It's, it's a gamble that he's playing with other people's chips, though. I mean, like asking these companies yep. to kind of yep. bear the brunt of the cost of this kind of gray area until we get to the good yeah, part. I was trying to Ooh, think of this. If I'm running Harley Davidson, what do I do? Well, the, you're not going to sell a motorcycle in Europe with these tariffs unless we build them over. There. Unless we build yeah, them over. Right. There. Well, the counter argument, Sean, and I'm not saying this is right, but the counter argument is we've had many countries being screwed for many, many years by these uh, these unbalanced trade agreements. We've got to throw a couple of punches. It's a shame some people are going to get hurt, but in the long term, the good of the many will uh, outweigh the good of the few. Don't you as President Trump get a hold of the Harley people? Privately and make that argument? Hell no, I badmouth them on Twitter. <laughs> I call them cowards and, and, and traitors. That's what I do. White flag wavers. My hey, Yamaha, that's yes. what I say, or something, or Indian, or one of the many fine American made uh, models. Uh, former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer is looking to land a TV slot with the New York Times reporting he is developing a talk show called Sean Spicer's Common Ground. And we're going to open with an apology. From you to me! If his first guest isn't Melissa McCarthy, he has failed. (laughs) According to the Times, the pitch for the show is for Spicer to interview, quote, some of the most interesting and thoughtful public figures. Have them for a drink and some light conversation at a local pub or cafe. I like it. It's commentators in bars drinking liquor. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I when I heard it. Yep. Similar to Seinfeld's Comedians, Cars, Coffee thing. Yeah, the rundown continues. The relaxed atmosphere is an ideal setting for Sean to get to know his guests as they discuss everything from the media to marriage. They might even tangle over the merits of making your bed or the value of a great point guard. There you go. That's the, that's the spiel. Appreciate it. Hey, Sean. What about the value of a point guard? Look, we're in the... We're in the putting on a show business. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Exactly. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. Man, I'm looking at these prices online now for used Harleys. Good God, is their value creator. All I know is whenever I've been in a um, a new showroom, man, they got an awful lot of twenty thousand dollar motorcycles. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Yeah. Or thirty thousand dollar motorcycles, depending on how they're equipped, and that's just you know things coming in out of style. It's not anybody's fault. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, there's but no anyways, good guys. There ain't no bad guys. To have that happen at the same time yeah. that the president's doing this whole tariff thing is tough. Now, we did have that story earlier, right, which we hadn't heard. Trump pointed this out in a tweet, that Harley was already planning on moving. Yeah, they'd already threatened to move uh, jobs to, was it? uh, Thailand? Thailand, or something like that, yeah. Yeah, And and they were talked out of it. But but listen, if you're hemorrhaging money and about to go out of business, you have to cut costs. It's just economics. I mean, you can call them patriotic and then... The day they go bankrupt, weep at their funeral, but that doesn't do them much good. Finally, the physics behind a leaky faucet's maddening plink sound. Nailed down with the key to this being, there's something you can do to make that sound go away if a leaky faucet's driving you crazy. Other than fixing the faucet. Jab yourself in the ears with ice picks. (laughs) Stay here, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. 
Tipping as they have ended a number of other things. Like uh, cow tipping? Millennials, no. Uh, giving extra money to somebody who uh, brings you food at a restaurant. Uh, millennials are credited with taking down bar soap. I didn't realize bar soap had been taken down. I seem to still have it. Do they uh, use the squirty stuff in the poof? I guess. Or do they just not wash? It's no. called dirty, dirty millennials. Why don't you wash? It's called a loofah and it exfoliates. Hmm. Mm. They have taken down breakfast cereal, bar soap, diamonds, and home ownership. Now, those last two I've heard about, and I get <clears throat> diamonds should be brought down. They make no sense. But uh, and home ownership, you know, thing, you know, that's interesting. Different too. strokes for different str- folks. Although in some places, renting has become so expensive, it's cheaper to buy a house. Any sits out of control. Um, why don't millennials tip? I would think millennials working in industries where you live off of tips would want to tip. Anyway, they don't. Because they're like cheap. Eat, hope cheap. they like eating dirt. Cheap and dirty. Oh, dirt at best. So are you kidding? I'd take dirt compared to what's going to go into my salad. That is tip. not blue ranch dressing. <laughs> blue cheese. Blue cheese. Uh, you're close. I was huh? close. That's such a, yeah, you, you work out the bit, and the next audience will love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I made the transition to, uh, to blue ranch, which means I'm an old person. Um... Oh, the physics behind the plinking sound when you got a dripping faucet. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. So I didn't know this, but physicists have been trying to figure out why that sound uh, is, is what it is, going as, back as far as 1908, uh, taking pictures, trying to figure out, because it shouldn't make the sound it makes, according to these physicists. Okay, it does make a unique sound. I'll grant you that. And, uh, oh, that's really annoying. I'll skip to the punchline in that they used high-speed cameras that didn't exist before and, and audiophonics that didn't exist before and were able to take pictures and it comes up out of the air and suction and water and vacuum, whatever. You don't care. But if you put a little bit of uh, soap in whatever the droplet is coming down to, you can eliminate that sound so you can sleep at night. But there's something about a dripping faucet that makes it hard to sleep. Yeah. Really freaking maddening. So do that. <laughs> Put like a container under it, put a little bit of like dish soap in there, yeah. and that'll change the way the water works, and you won't have that sound. It's all about the surface tension, Jack. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is it? Um, and this, uh, I w- I'm, this I'm going to do just because I'm going to put a question out there to you, the very smart audience. Those of you that are smart are smart. Those of you who aren't smart are incredibly freaking dumb. <laughs> but those of you in the audience that are smart are smart. It's uh, not typically what you hear on a radio show. Go on. <laughs> I'm intrigued. These these fellows are different. We've talked about this over the years. So workers' salaries have stayed flat now for decades. CA, CEO salaries have gone skyrocketed. Yep. And I've wondered all for so long now why why has this happened? I, I'll let you do your thing, then I'll, I'll throw in mine. And if there's a great book or article or something, there is. Text me four one five two nine five KFTC four one five two nine five KFTC. But here's a the twenty. Highest CEO worker to pay ratios in the SP S and P five hundred, and you've probably maybe you've heard us talk about it. You've read articles about it. Back in the day, a CEO's salary compared to the average worker would be you know however many to one eight nine ten twelve. Now it is, for instance, with Mattel, 
This CEO makes... Like the Barbie people? Almost... The toy company, yeah. It's almost 5,000 to one what the CEO makes versus the average salary. Wow. For McDonald's, it's 3,000 to one. It's 3,000 to one for Gap. It's, uh, I don't know a lot of these companies, but Ross Stores, it's 1,300 to one. For instance, the, the CEO of Mattel, the average employee makes uh, $62,000 or six. I can't figure out what this is. Anyway, she makes $33 million a year. Mm. It's, it's just, it's always been hard for me to imagine. So you're telling me there's not somebody making $23 million a year that could run that company as good as her. And that'd save you 10 mil every year. Yeah. Now, unless you're doing $50 billion worth of business, that's a significant amount of money. And she's got some particular talent that nobody else has. It is addressed, Jack, in the fabulous book, The Dictator's Handbook, Okay, which is all about how you, um, you know, whether you're a ruler or a CEO, you take revenue and you hand it out to supporters to keep your position. That's how power flows. And in the case of uh, CEOs, it's uh, having a friendly board but of why, directors. But why wasn't it that way before? That's I, the, always been the question. It's the for death me. of shame, Jack. Well, that's what which I. Which is my new quickie talk show host. That's book. what. That's what I've always wondered. Was it just the culture was such that as a CEO or a board, you would think, no, that's outrageous to yeah. to spend that much money on a CEO compared to what most people make. We don't need to. Besides, you know, we don't need to pay that much to get somebody to run this company. Um, did that just go away as a style? And now, and this is what it looks like inside some companies I'm familiar with, it looks like various people rotate around from board to CEO yes. and uh, and various boards and pay each other just ridiculous salaries. Even if the company does poorly, exactly, they, yep. re- they, they leave, they make these incredible salaries and leave with these just um, enormous payouts. We've probably all seen it. They get this payout of $20 million. Their stock got cut in half during their tenure. Mm-hmm. Or they closed mm-hmm. 1,500 stores or whatever. And you think, how did they make so much money for what it looks like failing? Right. You nailed it. There's that. And there's the change in the culture. It used to be you could put a bowl of uh, candy out on Halloween, say, take one, please. And people would take one. And then there's, you know, reporting requirements in the in the day-to-day, month-to-month Wall Street stock price things, as opposed to long-term growth now that, that companies emphasize. There are a lot of things at work. But, yeah, you nailed it. Even even with all of that, it's it's still just always always seem weird to me in general. For a lot of these, lot, a lot of jobs, including government jobs, the 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 whoever runs the university system that makes government, you're telling me you couldn't get somebody for sixty percent of that to do that job just as well. Yeah, I know, I know. The uh, Dictator's Handbook, which is a fabulous book, uses the example of Carly Fiorina at HP. Uh, trying to assemble a friendly board and reduce the number of people on the board and the battle over that, which she ultimately lost, and just how those dynamics work. It's mm. it's interesting. You know, I'd, uh, it'd be worth pursuing a guest who is really good at describing right, that. Right. Yeah, let's talk about that after the show. Let's see if we can figure out who'd be great on that. And and, and by the by, folks, if you've ever heard anybody who's really, really good on this topic, uh, email us at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or if you just want to text... It's 415-295-KFTC. Well, America is indeed getting less honest and also far stupider. We get stupider and stupider. How do you like this story? The U.S. Association for Library Service to Children, the ALSC, uh, actually better known by their initials than the actual name, has removed Laura Ingalls Wilder's name from one of its awards. 
because of the racist views and language uh, used to portray uh, Native Americans in her work. So what's some of the racist language? They've received complaints for, like I'm going to say it, for years over the Little House on the Prairie author's anti-Native and anti-black sentiments in her work. Wilder's children's novels about pioneer life in the American West. God, uh, I love those books. Are when some I was of a the kid. greatest classics in American literature, particularly for young people. Notably, one of the opening chapters of the Little House books described a land with no people; only Indians lived there. It's very important that we whitewash history and never discuss what the attitudes were back then. Because that is of no use in learning about our attitudes now. We or must pretend, pretend people have already always believed it. Or pretend that they were all unenlightened. That, that, that you know, they should have today's standards then. Exactly. They should have. Why wouldn't they? Because they're bad people. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.